This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good evening. Praise the Lord. Good to see you out here on a Wednesday. Appreciate all of you that are serving in any capacity. We've got a lot of people already gone to the women's retreat, so thank you for serving. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high, and our ushers would gladly get you one. And then go with me to the book of Malachi 3. Before we get there, uh, just keep your hand up real high. They'll, they'll get you a Bible. You know, um, the ones who led worship tonight, Solomon was on the keyboard, and that was Sahara who sang, and then Noah was on the drums. But Sahara made a statement that what a blessing it was to be able to raise your hands here in a nation without any thought of being persecuted for it. And I think about that, that I, I live in a nation where, you know, I, I can raise my hands freely to God and worship him, but do I do that? So I was at Bible school many, many moons ago, and one of the guys there, he was a part Russian and po- part Polish. And uh, he would go into the underground churches in Russia and preached the gospel. He was an evangelist, just loved Jesus. And I remember him sharing with me one time how they'd gone into an underground church, and there's about 500 people there. And he said, man, stuff was happening. People were believing God, and so they closed the door. The meeting began, and he said, all of a sudden, the doors opened. And he said, I was on the platform, and I looked out, and he said, I, I knew who it was. It was the former KGB. And they came walking in with machine guns, and the leader came up, and he looked at everybody and said, if you'll denounce the Lord Jesus right now, we'll let you go freely. Get out now. And he said about half of them got up and left. And he said a few minutes later, he said, last chance. If you want to live, get out right now. And another half of them left. And I don't know about you, I've never had that take place. I've never been threatened that way. But he said after the second group left, he said he looked at the rest of the officers with him and said, close the doors and lock the doors. And then all these men came down. He said they sat on the front row, they put their machine guns down, and the leader looked at him and said, now preach the gospel to us. We didn't want those fake Christians. We wanted the real ones. Now, I I say that tonight because, again, am I ashamed of the gospel? The Lord Jesus said that if you'll acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before the Father, but when you deny me. And so it becomes part of... Our, our lives are worship, just to raise our hands and sing unto the Lord. And you know what? If you can't sing a lick, just come up and sit with me. You'll join in real well with me, okay? I don't sing well, but I like to praise God. And so let God get your praise. Let God have your worship, just the raising of our hands. Well, that wasn't what I was talking about, but I think we need to hear those things. All right, we are in the book of Malachi chapter 3. We were there last week, and I was on verses 8 and 9. We talked about robbing God, what that meant. I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful for people in my life that as a young age, as a believer, they told me. I mean, I had a guy would tell me, 
whatever you do, you've, you've got to tithe. You've got, I mean, he was persistent. You've got to bring your tithe. And so I'm going to be persistent on teaching because this is so significant. So it says in Malachi 3 verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, he said, Where, how will you rob me? He said, tithes and offerings. But here in verse 10, he said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The tithe is to go to the church, okay? Now, he didn't say that about the offerings. And notice the word tithe there is plural. So a tithe would be every time I get increase. Whatever it is, I'm to honor God with that. And he said, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. Why, why would he say that? Keep reading. That there may be food or resources in my house. And so this was God's way of funding the gospel right here, all right? If you don't like it, don't get mad at me. Get mad at God, okay? Because he's the one who said it. And then he said, and try me on this or prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Now listen to what he says. That when we bring the tithe to the storehouse... If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough for you to receive it. So what he's talking about is the tithe puts me in a position for God to bless me. Now I don't know about you, but I, I really like what he says in there. Man, the windows of heaven are open. Now, if you'll notice there, the word window is plural. It's windows. Again, the Lord showed me one time way, way back that when you think about your house, you have multiple windows in your house. And every one of those windows in your house represents a certain room of your house, your children's bedroom. The master bedroom, the kitchen. He said, I want to bless every area of your house. I'm going to open the windows of heaven, and they're going to bless you in every area. And then look what he says in, in verse 11. And I, the Lord thy God, will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit, for you in the field, said the Lord of hosts. So the third blessing there, he said, I'll, I'll personally, God says, I'll personally rebuke the devourer for your sake. So you won't have crop failure. And so in my life, that if I don't obey this, the devourer's not rebuked. And when the devourer's not rebuked, I'm telling you, all hell starts breaking loose. So I'm very, very grateful and appreciative that I learned this a long time ago. And so I was in, in Dallas a couple weeks ago at a pastor's conference. And many of you probably watched Pastor Robert Morris. And he was talking to all us pastors about how grateful he was that his daddy taught him the principles of tithing. He said, not only did my daddy teach me, he said he modeled it. And he said, my, my dad modeled giving unlike anything I've ever seen. Now, what a heritage to have that. He said this, that he said, I personally know that in my dad's lifetime, he gave away 15 houses. 
I was like, did I hear him correctly? He said, that I know about. He gave away not, not $15, not 15 bicycles, not 15, but 15 houses. Now, give away 15 houses. You've got to be blessed. And you've got to be obedient to God. And I highlight that because many times we look at what people have, but we don't know what they've done to get it. And so he highlighted, he said, my daddy was a tither. My daddy honored this. And he said, what a heritage that I get to follow that. I think it's one of the greatest blessings we can teach our kids. You know, my, my children, they were taught that at a young age. I believe my daughter, as long as she's been alive, she's tithed. <laughs> I'm like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You got to get this, okay? You got to get it. Yes, Pastor, we're going to get it. We've got to get it. I love you that much. I'm, I'm going to stay with this because it has been impressed on me and Shelly for, for weeks. You've got to stay teaching this, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We honor you tonight. And Lord, I, I thank you. Just as we sang tonight, you do what you say you'll do, even pertaining to our finances. The Lord, we thank you tonight that when we honor you, that you open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on us. There's not room enough for us to receive. And we thank you for rebuking the devourer. And we give you glory and honor for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We'll bless you. All right. If you got your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And again, we've been talking about areas of faith. And I, I thoroughly enjoy this. One of the greatest things in, in our lives is to learn about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please them. So again, we got to get a hold of this. And so, as you're turning to Acts 19, we, we live in a world that there's a lot of real or authentic things, but there's also a lot of fake, un- or non-authentic um, knockoffs that take place in our world. And so, you think about things that you hear about knockoffs, gold chains, Handbags, purses. Man, purses are notorious for being knockoffs. Sunglasses. Sneakers. Do you know they say knockoff tennis shoes right now are a multi-billion dollar industry in our world? And so what happens with these knockoffs is they look very similar to the real, but they're off just enough where people will know it. Now, if you've come here long enough, years ago, when I was down in Mexico at the orphanage, there was a guy selling sunglasses, and he said to me, he said, man, I can get you an original set of Oakleys for this amount. And I looked at him and said, dude, those, those aren't real Oakleys. He said, oh, yeah, they're real. They're, I said, no, they're not real. I said, I've seen real Oakleys. Well, they weren't Oakleys. They were Chokeleys. Close. And so I bought those Chokeley for $5, and I remember we were at a church event, and one of the guys in the church said, Look at pastor smiling and profiling with those, those Oakley on. And I said, I'd sell them to you. And then the Lord said, you better stop, quit. <laughs> so I finally had to tell him they were Oakley. I mean, Chokley. They weren't the real deal. They looked real. Well, I highlight saying that because is my faith authentic? 
Is my faith real? Or is my faith a knockoff? Now, watch this passage here because it'll, it'll give us some great insight on this. Acts 19, verse 11. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And, and I, I can get stuck right on that real quick. And God worked unusual miracles. God works through man. Paul didn't create the miracles. Paul was just the vessel that God worked through. Paul was what I called an earthen jar of clay. God worked through Paul these miracles. And so we got to always remember that. It, it's not man. It's God that works through men. Now, every time I read that God, he, he worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Let me keep reading before I say what I was going to say. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from the body to the sick, and the disease left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Now, I can't deny that God does those things. God does those things. But it's interesting, he did those through Paul. And what I've seen throughout my life, especially in the ministry, when God works in people through miracles and healing, they have to be men and women of incredible humility. I'm going to tell you right now, because if not, pride begins to swell them, and they start thinking, look what I'm doing. I'm a faith healer. You're not a healer. You can't heal nobody. Does God work through? Yes, he does. And so, man, I, I, I highlight the possible. It's incredible. So it shows me right here, this guy was not only humble. When you study Paul's life, man, he would give God the glory. He, he's the one who said, man, I'm, I'm not even worthy to be called a disciple. So we keep reading. This is happening, all these things. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. What in the world does that mean? Well, they were traveling Jews is what this meant. And what they did is they were trying to make a living saying that they could heal people and cast the devil out of people. So this is what this is talking about. And so these itinerant Jewish exorcists, listen to this phrase right here. They took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So these guys, they were impressed with what Paul was doing. So it says they took it upon themselves, and they specifically said right here, we exercise you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So they heard Paul use the name of Jesus. But what literally begins to happen here is these guys didn't have their own faith in Jesus. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. So you know what they think? We'll just piggyback off of what he's doing. And so most of this comes back where I, I've got to begin to look at what he's talking about. That he has a desire that I must know the Lord Jesus in a personal way. I must have a relationship with Jesus in a personal way. 
We keep reading. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. He used the name of Jesus that Paul preached. And so he does this in verse 14, and it's incredible what happens here. And the evil spirit answers and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who the heck are you? The heck's not in there, okay. Now, when I look at what he's talking about here, you know what jumped out here at me? The spirit realm recognizes the real, but they also recognize the fake. And it's interesting, this evil spirit, this evil, uh, this demonic spirit, he responds back to these guys. Now, when we talk about evil spirits and demons and that stuff, we're not talking about Hollywood figures. We're not talking about these little guys that run around with some horns and they got a, a pole and they poke people in the rear. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about demonic spirits, spirits that their desire, their goal in life is to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, just off that, let me give you a little hint. Do you know right now on TV, there's a bunch of crazy stuff on Halloween. And that stuff is associated with witchcraft. And if you've ever studied Halloween, there's nothing good about it at all. And don't think it's innocent, okay? And if you watch those scary movies, I'm going to tell you, they were literally scared the H-E-L-L out of it. That's, that's the design. Because you've opened yourself up. Stay away from that stuff, okay? That's off the subject here a little bit. But it's interesting right here. These evil spirits recognized the real, the authentic, and also the fake. And so what begins to happen here is they have the thought, I can recite the name of Jesus. I can say the, Jesus, the name of Jesus like a formula, like a lucky charm. You can't do that, okay? But when I have a relationship with Jesus, a genuine, true relationship with Jesus, then I can use the name. I'm born again. I'm full of God. You use the name of Jesus, okay? But it comes to this place. I got to have this relationship with him. So he goes on to say in verse 16, Then the man in whom the evil spirit was, he leaped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now this isn't a movie, okay? This is the real deal. This is what he's talking about here. Beats them up and takes off their clothes. Now watch this, verse 17. This became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Can I give you a little insight about Ephesus? It was the center for the occult and magic and crazy demonic stuff. When you see here in Ephesus, 
Now listen, listen. And fear fell on all of them, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So what happens here, this elevated the fear of God. I mean, people began to look and said, we got to call out to God. We got to believe God. We got to trust God. And so what happens, right? I, I can't write a hot check in the spirit realm. That's fraud. But when I truly have a relationship with Jesus again, I, I can use his name. And, and I can use his title. But I must know him personally. So off of saying that, do you have a dysfunctional relationship with Jesus? See, I got to get born again. I got to give my heart to him. Now, what we're going to do the rest of the night, we're going to see how we can have a relationship with Jesus. I, I want the name of Jesus. I want the benefits that come with the name of Jesus. But I don't want the responsibility. It's like saying, you know what, Lord Jesus? I don't want to be married to you. I don't want to fully obey you, but I want everything you can do for me. So how do you get to know somebody? You got to spend time with them. Turn with me to the book of James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Now, as you're turning there, me and Shelley have been married 41 years. And so I, I think I'm safe to say that she probably knows me better than anybody else, and I probably know her better than anybody else. We've been around each other that long. I, I, know, I know her values. I know her processes. I know what makes her tick, and I know what ticks her off. I try to stay away from those things. But if my wife was in a room, let's say, with 40 other women, and they were all talking out loud, I could identify her voice just like that. Why? Because 41 years of doing life together... But can I tell you something? The, the intimate stuff, it never ceases. It must to continue. I must communicate and connect. And I say that. That's what happens with the Lord Jesus. I got to get around the Lord Jesus. I got to hang out with him. I talk to him. I pray with him. And so when we begin to do those things, things begin to happen in our life. And so belief, when I talk about belief, belief is not the same as personal knowledge. What do I mean by that? Well, I told you to go to James, James chapter 2. Look at verse 19, just one little verse here. You, you believe? You say you have faith? That there is one God? You say you have faith and you believe there's just one God. You say that. You do well. Good for you. But look at the next statement. 
but even the demons believe that there's one God and they tremble at one God. And so the difference is they are unchanged because they don't obey him and they don't submit to him. Woohoo, what about me? See, I know about God. I, I can know God's titles. I can know God's covenant's names. But that doesn't mean I personally know him. And so again, I've got to get to this place where I hang out with God. Now, turn just to your right, just a little bit to 1 John. You're going to go through the Peters and then you're going to go to 1 John. Now this passage here, 1 John chapter 2. Ooh, this, this is going to give us some truth right here. Incredible, okay? 1 John chapter 2. Verse 3. Now by this, we know that we know him. Uh-oh. Now by this, is that what your Bible says? I'm reading the New King James. Now by this, we know that we know him. Here's how we can be sure that we truly know him. The end of verse 3. If we keep his commandments. Wow. So the more that I obey God's commandments, the more I'm going to begin to know what pleases him. So I go back to what I said about my wife. I know what causes her to tick, and I know what ticks her off. That's the same with Father God. And so I find out in my marriage with my wife the more I stay away from those things that tick her off, the better off my marriage is. So what, what happens with this? One thing, I begin to find out what the commandments of God are, and then I realize he doesn't give me those commandments to beat me up. He gives me those commandments to draw me close to him, to have that relationship to say, man, Father God, I, I love blessing you. I love blessing and obeying you. Keep reading. He who says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. Uh-oh. Wow. Now don't get mad at me, okay? I didn't, I didn't write this. God did. So when he says, you're a liar, I looked and thought, you know what? You're a fake you're a phony. You're a knockoff. Keep reading. And the truth is not in him. Wow. So you know what he's telling us? My life doesn't match his words. The truth is not really in me. But only the truth sets me free. Only the word of God. It gives me the blueprint on how to live. So we keep reading. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And I got stuck on that word perfected. And you know what the actual meaning that word signified is for perfecting? It literally means to bring to maturity. So the more mature, the more I grow up in the things of God, 
the more the Lord releases into my life. Now, how are we maturing? So he says, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. That I'm just continually growing. I'm just continually maturing. So I go back to what I said in our marriage. We got to continue to be intimate in the areas of communication, fellowship. We got to continue to. It's the same as a Christian. Can I tell you something? The, the closer you get to God, the more my life is better. But I got to make it a point to continue to know Him. And He says in verse 6 He who says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. So, you know what He's saying here? I'm to live just like Jesus lived. I'm to walk just like Jesus walked. The only difference between me and you and Jesus is he was perfect. He never missed it. You're going to miss it sometimes. But just because I miss it, he said here, you'll also walk just as he walked. Let me ask you something. Anybody in here has got a little bitty, little bitty one? Right now, uh, John and Andrea, Bill Love would say, they got a little bitty grand, a little son. He's, he's getting close to walk, and you can tell. He was down there tonight holding on to this, this uh, coffee table. And I was watching him there, and I thought, you're going to be walking before long. But when a little, little baby starts learning to walk, the first few times, they take a stumble. They're a triple threat. They stumble, fumble, and fall. And when they hit the ground, we don't look at them and say, ah, you loser. We help them back up. We say, go again, go again. And they'll take a few more steps. And then they tumble again. And what do we do? We get them back up. We get them back up. And we keep going before, and they start walking. This is the same as us as a Christian. It's a, it's a day by day walk. It's a day by day. And I got to get around God day by day by day by day. Amen. And the more I'm around him, the better my life is. Amen. And so I found this within me. And the more I know Jesus, the more when I speak in that name, man, something happens. Something begins to happen. So I was around a man yesterday morning, and he said, look at my hand, Pastor. And he had a, he had a slit right there. And he told me how it happened, and he said, when it did it, man, it just it ripped me. And he said, I ran and got some Kleenexes, and I put it on there in pressure, and I got the blood to stop. And he said, as I kind of looked at it, he said, man, one, he said, I didn't have the money to go to the doctor, and two, I didn't have the time. And he said, I said right there, Father God, in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And he said, I started watching how it began to clot. And he said, look, look at this. He said, this just happened a day or two ago. And he said, look at this. And he said, you know what I realized? There's power in the name of Jesus. There is. There's power. But this guy has a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't piggyback off of somebody else's faith. So we go to, tonight to end with, go with me to Psalm 63. Psalm 63. Ooh, it's a good verse. Good, good passage. Psalm 63. Once you get there, I'm going to start in verse number 1. Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. 
You are the God of my life. And this was King David writing this. Oh God, you are my God. Now, how many people in our society would call God their God? People everywhere would say, oh yeah, he's God, he's God, he's God. But you want to see the proof or the evidence of how God is my God? Now watch what he says. Early will I seek you. I can't get enough of you, Father God. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you, the cravings of my heart. Now, off of that, that first verse right there, I highlighted three, three words. He said, I seek you, I thirst for you, and I long for you. Do any of those words, do they define your relationship with the Lord right now? Ooh, Father God, I seek you. I seek you, Father God. I, I thirst for you today. I, I, I have this, this longing, this craving for you. And he said, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. There's no water. But yet he's still doing these things. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary, in the place of worship, to see your power and your glory. Now, when I looked at that, you know what, what jumped off at me? God wants us to, to have his power and his glory. There's no doubt he wouldn't have said that if that wasn't in there. But it comes from the relationship that he has with him. And he goes on to say in verse 3, because your loving kindness, your tender mercies is better than life. They mean more to me than life. My lips will praise you. My, my lips will praise you. Woo, let me ask him, what do you do the first thing when you get up in the morning? I say, ah, oh, crap, it's Monday. No, we don't say that. I'm gonna praise the Lord. I'm gonna praise the Lord. Sunrise, I'm gonna praise his name. Sunset, I'm gonna praise his name. I'm gonna wake to praise his name. And so he says, I, I, I will, my lips will praise you. Verse four, listen, Listen to the word I. Thus I will bless you. While I live, I will lift up my hands in your name. And so it's obvious here to me that King David, he's got this relationship and he starts talking about, this is what I'm going to do to attract to God. I'm going to bless God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to lift up my hands in your name. And he says, my soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. Man, it's evident he wanted to get around God. Do you have a desire to get around God? Just to bow to him, to, to talk to him. Why don't you stand up here? We got quiet in here. You know, I said something on Sunday morning. I said, oh, it sure got quiet in this Episcopalian church. Well, I had a call this week, and they said, we didn't know this was an Episcopalian church. And I thought, oh, Lord, it's not. We're just about all people, okay? If you're Episcopalian, I welcome you, but bless you. So we go back to this. The name of Jesus is the name above every name. Colossians 3.17, the apostle Paul said, 
in everything I do in word and deed, I do in the name of Jesus. Woo, it's the name that's above every name in heaven, earth, and hell. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. If I don't get the results of the name that I have opportunity to, I need to keep maturing in the things of God. And I say that to me. I got, I got to keep growing in the things of God. How do I grow in the things of God? I got to get in his word. I got to get where I know what the word of God says. And then I start obeying it. I start being a doer of the work. God will move. I, I hadn't even been born again. And I was at a, I was at a surface. I'm 19 years old, and I saw a miracle. I saw a kid who had never, he had been born deaf, and he heard. He started snapping. I saw the name of Jesus spoken, and I heard him saying, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And I, I remember very clearly, it moved me. It moved me. The name of Jesus. But now I look, the longer I go in this, man, I got to have a relationship with him. This genuine relationship. So let's raise our hands here real quickly. Father God, we ask you to grace us. That there becomes a desire in our lives, Father God, not, not to just know you in theory, but to know you. And Father God, to, to please you and live for you and Lord Jesus, we thank you again tonight for the name. And Father God, we give you glory and honor that you said in the name of Jesus, there's no name by which men can be saved. And we welcome that. And Father God, I pray right now for every one of us that through your grace and your mercy that the things of heaven are perfected and matured in us in a way, Lord, that whoo, it's pleasing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.